You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, season two, believe it or not, episode 92. This one, the Cubs trade options at DH and third base. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Or, of course, you can email Crowley and I, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy Thursday. How the heck are you? Doing good. I, I think it's funny because after we recorded our last podcast about uh, possible starting pitching options in first baseman, the very next day, John Morosi tweeted that the Cubs and Reds were the teams in trade talks for Shane Bieber and Tyler Glass now, which were two names we brought up. So, you know what, man? This, this stuff is happening like up to the minute. Like we talk about something and it's happening right now. All right. Let's hope that uh, we have an emergency podcast uh, between now and Monday, uh, maybe on one of those two names or maybe even Crowley, a bigger name. I don't know if you got to hear the Mully and Haw show this morning. I know you have other things to do, but you do hear part of it. I think it was later in the show, so you're already doing your big boy job. Uh, David Haw claims that if Shohei Otani signs with the Cubs, that he will do a headstand live on the air on our Twitch station. I'm, I'm going to have to watch that. I, 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 I've seen <laughs> David before, and I didn't know he was that agile. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, just one more, that's one more reason. That's uh, one more reason you want Shohei Otani as a cub just to see David Haw drew a headstand on the, the Twitch channel for Mully and Haw on 670 the score. There, the, there's going to be a lot. The winter meetings are next week. We'll get to that, but you know, it, it a lot of action's about to start happening, and, and that's what makes it exciting, especially when your team is a buyer and not a seller. That's right. Um, so, third base and DH, Crowley, that's where we're at this week. Yeah, we talked about this last time, right? You know, you can get free agents or you can trade. And with the Cubs having a good farm system, that's an option. And so, you know, obviously, if they ha- don't have a lot of, if a player that you're targeting and trade doesn't have a lot of years left on their contract, you don't have to give up as much. The better the player, the more you have to give up. Uh, so, those are things that we're looking at. And when we looked at these lists of DH and third baseman, these are names that have popped up. Um, some tying to the Cubs, some not, but, but that these are guys that are available for trade. The teams are kind of made let, you know, being made known that these guys are available for trade. And obviously the biggest name of all is Juan Soto. He is the most coveted trade piece and boy, you know, for a DH, it would just be great. Here's the thing. We know the Padres are financially in trouble and we're going to talk a little bit about that with our guest, Michael Cerami today. Um, some of the finances going on just in baseball, uh, you know, the Padres had to take out a loan, but there's a big problem with a lot of these RSNs, the regional sports networks that have kind of put these teams in a bind. Soto is 25 years old, Dustin, entering his final year of club control. He is projected to get $33 million in arbitration, which would be the highest ever yearly salary for an arbitration eligible player. Now, Juan Soto rejected a $440 million offer from the Nationals before he was traded to the Padres in 2022 um, trade deadline. So if you're thinking, you know, $500 million is what we're probably looking at after the 2024 season, Dustin. Is that the red flag? Is that, Crowley, that's got to be the red flag to me, right? That, That he thinks that he's worth half a billion. I mean, there's a couple of things when we talk about 
and I know we're going to talk about him, Shohei Otani. And again, you know, these are the, the two biggest offensive stars in free agency are Shohei Otani and Juan Soto. And then there's Cody, and then there's Cody Bellinger, right? But he is Cody Bellinger is a step below those two individuals. But Shohei Otani might be able to pitch. Shohei Otani will be able to deliver an entire continent of economic resources, which Juan Soto does not. So if it's apples and apples, in that case, I've got to go Otani versus Soto. So here's the thing. Soto's 25 years old, so he's five years younger than Otani. That matters. Um, That does matter. Otani does have the arm, the two Tommy Johns, and we don't know how that's going to affect him. Um, Probably not going to affect him hitting, but at least pitching wise. Now the thing, Dustin, you know, when you ask if he's worth it, he had a slow start Dustin last year and he finished 275, 410, 519 with 35 home runs and 109 RBIs. So not bad for a slow start of a season. Now, what I take a look at, sometimes in baseball reference, there's a feature, and it's called similarity scores, Mm. where they look at a player's numbers and compare them to other players of the same age range. So when you look through the history of MLB, here are the players most similar to Juan Soto at age 24. Tell me if you pick up uh, what's similar between these 10 players that are most like uh, Juan Soto at age 24. Bryce Harper, Frank Robinson, Andrew Jones, Giancarlo Stanton, Mike Trout, Ken Griffey Jr., Juan Gonzalez, Orlando Cepeda, Miguel Cabrera, and Eddie Matthews. What's what, what do they all have in common? Well, about half of them have HOF in front of their name, and the other half are probably close to HOF. I don't, I, you know, there might be one, maybe one, maybe I, I, my my Hall of Fame is a little different than everybody else's. I'm a little harder of a judge, I believe. Uh, but they're all Hall of Famers at age 24. Let's put it this way. If their career only went up to age 24, they are probably all Hall of Famers. And most of these guys on the list kept getting better after 24. Correct. The only ones that didn't, Giancarlo Stanton's had injury history. Andrew Jones is a borderline Hall of Famer. People believe he should be in. Don't ask Bobby Cox. And Juan Gonzalez <laughs> is uh, – and, and, and don't call him a coach. And Juan Gonzalez – and Juan Gonzalez was tainted with steroid stuff. So he would have been a hall of famer with his numbers. So basically you are going to have maybe eight to 10 years of a guy that's projected to be on the hall of fame. And so that is something you got to take a look at there. Now the price for Juan Soto will be astronomical, both in terms of prospects for one year and after the season's over. So you're going to have to give up a couple right. of that's really the other, That's prospects. the other part of this, right? Like with Otani, you don't have to give anything up. And who's to say, who's to say that after this year, if you are swinging and missing, pun intended, on Otani, it just doesn't work out, then why can't you sign Soto next year, right? Well, well, I'm just saying, there, there's a, there, all so far, Crowley, everything you're mentioning, you know, they're all good. But there's a couple of check marks against Soto where I don't I, have them against Otani other than age. I agree 100% with you because I think that if this was the final piece, if you were just one hitter away, you think, right. from making the World right. Series, mm-hmm. then you pull the trigger. Right. But he's going to be there next year. So why would you give something up and then not know if you could re-sign him and lose two or three of your very top prospects in the system? I it's hard yeah. to do, you know, See, this is why I like, this is what's good about a podcast, Crowley. It's good to talk it out, right? We're, we're talking it out. No knee jerk reaction. So this is, this is good. I like it. Now, Eloy Jimenez, how about a reunion with old no. Eloy, right? No, no, I can end that really quick. No, <laughs> uh-uh. no, I mean, well, I mean, okay. Obviously you're not going to play him in left. Okay. Right. But he doesn't want to be a DH. He wants to be wait. a left fielder. He's a clown. He's a clown. No, here's what, he's got here's, Crowley. This is simple. He's got too much white stock stink on him. No. Go ahead. Talk now, me into it, but it's going to be really hard to do. Too much I'm, I'm white try. stock stink on him. I'm going to attempt. Jimenez slash 272, 317, 441 with 18 home runs and 60, 64 RBIs. 18 we know, home runs? BFD. We know that he's injured a lot. He's yes. He played 120 games, which for him is a lot. He's never played more than 122 games in a season. He can't play outfield. He needs to be a full-time DH. Would Eloy want to do that? He said he hasn't. 
But I decided, Dustin, you and I both have been eye-rolling the thanks Cubs for a long time. What Eloy's numbers were against the Cubs and what his numbers are at Wrigley Field, okay? He played 16 games versus the Cubs, and he slashes 356, 433, 780 with 21 hits, 7 doubles, 6 home runs, and 19 RBIs with 8 walks. Now, is that because he's motivated against the Cubs? Like, hey, I'm going to show you guys what you missed out on, or I'm going to take this rivalry seriously, maybe more seriously than some of the Cubs players do? How about this, Dustin? At Wrigley Field, nine games, he slashes 412, 444, 912 at Wrigley with 14 hits, five doubles, four homers, and eight RBIs. I just wonder, Dustin, like you said, maybe it's motivation for trading him, whatever, but could you imagine those numbers over 81 games at Wrigley? Those numbers gonna, sound really great. Not happen. If they, they would, If they played out over 81, of course, the guy would be in the Hall of Fame after the, this year, right? I mean, give, no. <laughs> no, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Cubs. But no. 13 million for 2024 is what he's getting with a club option for 2025 and 2026. So if you wanted to buy him out, you'd have to pay him $3 million the following year. He's going to earn 16.5 in 2025 and 18.5 in 2026. Now, you wouldn't, ha you wouldn't now, have to give up a lot of prospects. He's, he's cheap, right? He's, he's baseball cheap. Um, probably not have to give up. You know, the, the Sox are looking for starting pitching. Right. No doubt about it. They, they they basically right now don't have a pitching staff. They don't have a starting rotation. So they're, that's what they're going to be looking for. Um, you know, maybe they'd want somebody like Hayden Wesniski, somebody like that. Um, maybe, um, I, you know, so so if you're going Eloy, then I need I need two pitchers. You know, I need Yamamoto and Bieber or Glasnow. You know what I mean? That now I, you know, okay, now, yeah, okay, now, if, if that's your package, if that, okay, then I'll take it, okay? Then I'll take it, but just Aloy, no, mm -mm, no. Now, too much White Sox stink on him. Another former Cub is Nick Castellanos, right? He's being shot by the Phillies. The Cubs acquired Castellanos at the trade deadline in 2019 from Detroit, and he proceeded to tear it up at Wrigley Field and quickly became a fan favorite. In 51 games, Dustin, with the Cubs, he slashed 321, 356, 646 with 21 doubles and 16 home runs. He then parlayed that into a five-year, $100 million contract with the Phillies. Castellanos has three more years on that contract and will make $20 million each of those years. He His first year with the Phillies, he struggled, but he bounced back this season, slashing 272, 311, 476 with 29 home runs and 106 RBIs. Unlike Eloy, he can play some right field. He did really well in the NLDS and absolutely awful in the NLCS. So Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos greater than Eloy Jimenez. Greater than. Okay. Now great, it's going to, again, you, you still have three more years, and he's he's going to be getting $20 million a year for the next three years. Cheap. Cheap. Cubs, Cubs could have done that deal, and who knows where the Cubs would have been you know, right now. Um, I, I, like, I like that option. I wonder what they would want for him um, in return on the trade would, part of it, because he is controllable for three years at a pretty nice price. So they're probably going to want a couple of, a couple of things better than a, better than a $5 scratch off ticket. Now, now here's what I'm going to tell you though. You, you know, a lot of times they say either we want prospects or you pay some of the salary. That's kind of how it works. Right. Yep. And mm -hmm. so if the Cubs take on all the salary, which would be $60 million, then they're going to get less prospects back. Right. But right. if if the Phillies want to sit there and pay some of that down, then the Cubs would be expected to give some more prospects. So, you know, I just I like this option, Crowley. I, I think this is an option that you could kick the tires on. I, I do. I, I like that a lot because obviously you can't play Suzuki every single day in right field, right? And and that would be a good little that'd be a good little mix. Um, I bet Nick could probably play a little left field if you really needed him to. Right. And, you know, give Ian half a day off or if the matchup called for it or something like that. Right. There's things that you can do. And so, you know, he, more options than when you have with Eloy. So both him and Juan Soto are both okay fielders. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Nick Castellanos as a great fielder. He's no. okay. No. Um, Soto's like, you know, and he's not a gold glove in my opinion. I don't know, but I, I would. And, definitely... listen, and that's another thing, you know, the Cubs are big on the defense, right? I mean, they're really big on the defense. I know this is, DH slash third baseman episode, but we're talking about a couple of guys that, you know, maybe you could get away with in a, in a corner outfield and a pinch, 
Right. And you, again, imagine if one of those guys, imagine if Ian goes down or say is injured or something, you can put those guys in there. And then you would assume that Craig council would use Mike Talkman in, you know, after the seventh inning. Yep. You know, th those are all possibilities. Mm -hmm. Now, third base is where it gets really interesting in the trade talks and, and a couple of guys that just kind of popped out of nowhere, wasn't really expected more and more. You're hearing about Alex Bregman. The Astros and the Cubs both decided to tank at the same time to get high draft picks. The Cubs did get their World Series and three trips to the NLCS, but the Astros were able to have kind of a, the sustain, sustained success that Theo Envision would taken over the Cubs. The Astros have won two World Series, one with the help of a garbage can, and the <laughs> other, and they also have been dusted to the ALCS for the last seven seasons. That's wild. That's absolutely wild. Now, the core of the team has slowly been moving on. You had George Springer go to Toronto, and Carlos Correa is now in Minneapolis. Is Bregman next? Last season, he hit 262, 363, 441 with 25 home runs and 98 RBIs in 161 games. He's in the final season of a five-year, $100 million contract he signed in March of 2019. He stands to make $28.5 million in 2024 before hitting free agency. Alex Bregman has a lot of leadership skills, good glove. Uh, you know, it, it seems, again, to check all the boxes, you're just going to have to get, you know, you're going to have to give something up for a year of him. And if you really like Alex Bregman and he likes it here, maybe he comes back. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't hate the idea, but I think I like the next guy that we're going to talk about that we've talked about before that's been rumored before a little bit more. Yes, Bo Bichette is, is, is one, another name that's popped up recently and, he, he's a shortstop for the Blue Jays, but would the Cubs be willing to trade for him and move him to third base? The Cubs obviously have the best defensive shortstop in Dansby Swanson, but if you move Bo Bichette, who is no slouch himself with the glove, that infield would be absolutely ridiculous, you know, depending on who you had for first. But, on that, you know, second, short, and third would all be gold glovers there. And so the rumor has been growing since my friend Kevin Fiddler put it out on Twitter, and then it was brought up by John Morosi. And so, you know, the, the Blue Jays keep saying the right thing. Oh, no, no, no. But you got to listen, right? You have to listen to offers and see what happened. Uh, Bo, um, Bichette slash 306, 339, 475 with 20 home runs and 73 RBIs last season. He turns 26 next year and he's still under contract for two more season he makes only 11 million in 2024 and 16.5 million in 2025 which is a lot for me and you but nothing compared to what Juan Soto is going to get right right I, I I like I like I like this I, I like I like this a lot I like the lineage um, I, I've seen him play a little bit uh, this is another idea that uh, I, I can get behind yeah, and, and and it's it's just a question of you know does it's it's for the Blue Jays do they feel that they still have a chance to go all the way? If it doesn't the answer, seem like it. It does. It seems like they're they're looking to hit that reset button once again. If if that's the case, then Bichette would be one of their best you know. Chips and then you and then, and now you start lining him up. The other thing about it, Crowley, is you start lining him up time wise where he signed with guys like Dansby Swanson, right? Nico Horner. Ian Happ, Seiya Suzuki, you got all these guys kind of in the same window and you say, okay, here we go. This is our group to try to do this. And then we'll decide what we're doing after that. We'll see how close they get. Right now. The last name is one Isaac Paredes and he had a, he, he's the third baseman for the Tampa Bay Rays. And here's the thing. I always get nervous with the Tampa Bay Rays and trading because they always seem to tr get the most out of these guys and then trade them and, who knows, but he, you know, he only slashed 250, 352, 488, but he had 31 home runs, Dustin, and 98 RBIs. He is only 24 years old and isn't set to become a free agent until 2028. So why on God Green's earth would the Rays be willing to part with them? Well, our guest coming up in the second segment, Michael Cerami, had an interesting look. And some of the things that people are concerned about with Cody Bellinger, the hard hit rate, those type of things. Um you can you can multiply that times two with Isaac Paredes, a guy who just did had the thirteenth lowest exit velo in MLB, you know, tenth lowest hard hit rate, those type of things. So every now and then, you know, and baseball's a funny game, like you just get lucky with your hits. And so the question is, is if a guy is not hitting the ball, you know, the harder you hit the ball, obviously, 
mathematically you should be getting more hits. But this is a guy that's numbers went down as far as the hard hit percentage and the barrels and all that stuff. So just just one of those things that I take a look at Parade days and, and he's only 24. You know what I mean? It's not to say that it can't improve, but I, I don't, you know, I'm not really sure I would go 100% this route, especially when we talked about, like I said, Bichette and Alex Bregman. Those are some fun names, but Parade is, is an interesting one to just just kind of keep your eye out. So yeah, I did see some headlines out there, Crowley about the red flags with this guy. So uh, interested to learn more about that. Right. So, you know, the, these there's, there's plenty out there for the Cubs to look at. So I don't know what they're going to do. If they're going to do one free agent in a trade or a couple free agents, or maybe even a couple of trades, who knows? Um, but, but we know that the Cubs need pieces. And for me personally, I would like to stop doing this one year merry-go-round at first and third. I, I just want to get someone anchored in there that can, you know, be with this team, like use it in that timeline where we're with the core that they currently have. So a couple more quick names before we move on. Yeah. Just, um, just keep in mind that there, there's other guys out there. Jorge Polanco is a name. Um, Cub fans know Brandon Donovan from the time with his time with the Cardinals, but these would be second basemen that could also play the corner outfield spots. So, you know, with Jorge Polanco, he's $12.5 million next year. Um, and you know, with an option for 2025. And then, you know, you, when you talk about Brandon Donovan, he's another guy we've seen him with the Cardinals and stuff like that, but, uh, he had some injuries last year, but he slashed 284, 365, 422 with 11 homers. But again, that's only in 371 plate appearances. So, you know, just th there's options out there. It just depends on what the Cubs want to do and what they want to give up. Yep. All depending, depending, depending. We'll wait and see, but this is fun. There's no doubt about that. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode 92 of season two. Cubs trade options at the DH and the third base spot. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. And with the winter meetings happening next week, we could see a whole lot of free agent movement. And in this segment, Crawley talks to Michael Cerami of Bleacher Nation about the Cubs' finances and how they are in good shape to make a big, big signing. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, you recognize him from his work on Bleacher Nation. Michael Cerami, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm I'm happy to be back on the show and happy to talk some Cubs uh, financial ability. Well, here, here's the thing, Michael. I mean, how nervous do you get right now when you're talking to a guy like me when all of a sudden the obsessive Otani watch is going on? Like, do you ever have that feeling like, oh, I got to shovel the driveway and that's going to be the moment that the news breaks that Shohei has signed with the Cubs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not only that, like, you know, you wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I'm like, Oh, did I miss anything? Check Jeff Passon, Jeff Ken Rosenthal. Like I got my, my specific Twitter list that I have to go through. And um, yeah, it's, it's 24 seven because man, even if he doesn't pick the Cubs, it's going to be a crazy windfall for the rest of the, you know, market and industry. And we got the winter meetings coming up. I mean, it's just, 
there's a lot that's about to happen and there's not much you can do before it does. Well, then, you know, people always ask me, they'll be like, Hey, Crawley, you know, what, what, are the Cubs going to sign Otani? Are they going to sign, are they going to trade for, uh, you know, Pete Alonzo? And I'm like, look, I don't know what the hell they're going to do, but I can tell you their names being brought up, which is something that hasn't happened in a few years. And, and as a Cup fan for me, there's nothing worse than the winter meeting when you keep seeing other teams linked to players and your team is nowhere in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, I one of my favorite things I've written in the last year was before the season, before the 2023 season, where I was like, I just want the Cubs to be relevant again. It was so disheartening, de depressing when they just were not talked about. I mean, everyone had set them aside for a couple of years at least because they all knew that they weren't doing anything. And right now they are attached to everybody. Um, there, there's very few players that they're not, you know, of the, of the main people that they're not attached to. And it's, it's guys like, you know, Blake Snell and Aaron Nola before he signed, like, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of that, but for everyone else from Yamamoto to Otani to Soto to Alonzo to Glasnow to Bieber, I mean, the Cubs are involved. They're obviously going to do something, um, this off season. I think it's going to be something probably pretty big. And a, a lot of that is because of how much money they have available. Well, that's again, I, you know, I, I always read Bleacher Nation and see what's going on, what you guys are up to. And, and, and your article kind of really, you know, just caught my eye when you when with the title, how much money do the Cubs have coming off the books after this season? And, and so, you know, we've been kind of in the last couple episodes just talking about, you know, okay, who are some free agents out there? Who are some trade targets? All of those type of things. And like you said, when you take a look at the money right here, and I'm just putting this up here from SpotTrack, you know, you're, you're looking at the money that people can spend. It feels to me like the Cubs just have a lot of cash this season. I wasn't even looking at 2025. I was just looking at 2024 and being saying to myself, wow, there is just, you know, you mentioned your article, the Jason Hayward contract and, and just a lot of different things that are happening. And it seems like this is a good time to be sitting flush with cash like the Cubs appear to. But you say that as good as 2024 is going to be, 2025 is going to be even crazier. Yeah. So, I mean, th listen, there's no doubt that they that money fell off the books this year. Hayward, Bellinger, Stroman alone count for a lot of money. But it's it's not just this offseason. When you look ahead um, to after this, this season, um, I think there should be as much as like $50 million coming off of their – uh, luxury tax money, um, in addition to all the space they still have right now, which is is a lot. It's significant, but um, you know Kyle Hendricks will be a free agent. Uh, free agent Drew Smiley, Jan Gomes, Tucker Barnhart, Trey Mancini, David Bodie. I mean, those are some of those guys are guys that we forget about because the Cubs have either cut bait or they're in the minors or they've been outrighted. And what's more exciting is not just the fifty million extra that they should have. Um, Again, that's on top of all the money they already have available this offseason, which is significant as well. Um, but usually when you lose a lot of uh, when you when you gain a lot of financial breathing room, a lot of the times that's because you have to replace those guys. But like, you know, like Cody Bellinger or Marcus Stroman. Yeah, sure. We, we're dropping that salary, but we need someone to backfill those performances. Well, we don't need someone to backfill the performance of David Bodie or Trey Mancini or Tucker Barnhart. And like Jan Gomes. I think by this time next year, we'll feel good about Miguel Amaya. And, you know, I, I think Jan Gomes will already have been transitioned in sort of a partial role anyway. So you're really looking at like Kyle Hendricks and maybe whatever the Cubs get out of Drew Smiley as the, the pieces the Cubs need to, to replace. And, and so that money might be accounted for, but all the rest is just like going to be like free money because it's not players that you need to, to sign um, to to fill up uh, those spots. So that's really exciting. And I think that that's going to really allow the Cubs to maneuver this offseason um, in a way that will be more aggressive if this money wasn't coming off the books next year. And not to be long-winded, um, but, you know, it's it, it struck me when I was looking through the numbers and doing the math that, like, a lot of the um, other ways that people – that a salary, uh, excuse me, a payroll tends to get eaten up is arbitration, but there are effectively no players uh, that the Cubs will be entering into arbitration besides Justin Steele, who will be ARB2, and Albert Azulay, who will be as well, that should get significant raises. And both of those guys still won't be breaking the bank in just their second year of arbitration. Even if they're really good, it'll be affordable. 
Um, and then all of the the players under contract, a lot of the times, you know, most people, teams backload contracts, but um, these guys are either heading, holding steady like Horner and Hat or Swanson and Seah, who one gets a $2 million raise, one gets a $2 million decrease. And although that doesn't affect the AAV for luxury tax reasons, it's just further underscoring how much money the Cubs have to spend, either in terms of real dollars or luxury tax. I mean, there is just nothing but space. Right. And then, and the other thing to kind of keep in mind, and I know that Brett Taylor's written about this is the RSN implosion, you know, where the Cubs are sitting there with a lot of cash. You're going to see a lot of teams, the Padres, the Cardinals, anyone with the diamond Valley that, that are going to end up losing a lot of uh, infusion of cash where the Cubs are kind of sitting pretty with marquee as much as people kind of were like, you know, uh, what, what did he say? What did Tom say? You won't be booing in a year. You know, maybe he wasn't right on the timeline, but he should, you know, he's certainly looking a lot smarter right now because those teams that had those big RSNs right now are sitting there and, and they are not going to have money to spend. No, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that here's what I, I think the nuanced addition to your point, which is, is correct, is I think that Marquis probably never made the Cubs as much money as they were hoping. It certainly isn't making them as much money as the heyday of these RSN deals when they were active. Um, but what it limits and upside, it it backfills in floor because the Cubs control their own fate and they can feel competent in their future, which will uh, not only give them, you know, provide them with money, which is great, but also the sort of assurances that these other teams are definitely do not have. So their relative spending ability over these other 16 teams um, should increase, which is, you know, again, it's, it's not changing the amount of money the Cubs are making, but it's maybe making them more capable of spending the money they do have because other put other teams, other front offices won't have the the uh, the the certainty that the RSN deals were previously providing. Right, and the, and the best example of that is the Padres. You know what I mean? Where they were they were spending like you know drunk sailors on leave, and now all of a sudden they're having to take out loans and stuff like that. And that's where you see guys like Juan Soto is obviously the big name, and and you know Blake Snell and, and just not coming back to these teams and these players are going to be available. Um, tell me a little bit though now, you know, obviously we know the big names that are out there. You mentioned Yamamoto, you know, you, we talked about Shohei, um, couple, you know, Cody Bellinger obviously is out there, but you know, there, there, there are guys that are on the trade market. Let's say Juan Soto, let's say Pete Alonzo. And you know, they're only one year away from free agency. Why would you say the Cubs should maybe trade for one of those guys when when you can just wait out a year and, and have even more money like you're talking about to spend? Sure. Uh, and I know you know the answer to this, but I appreciate the tee up. Uh, why don't we wait a year and sign Mookie Betts? Because he didn't make it to free agency. Why don't we wait a year and get Francisco Lindor? Because he didn't make it to free agency. These guys, it, it, I know that they're Scott Boris clients and they often – don't extend. That's not a blanket statement. It could still happen. Um, and on top of that, well, and two, two other things. So one, they might not make it to free agency. So you need to get them when you can. Two, even if they're going to make it to free agency, you get an entire year to uh, figure out what they like, what they don't like, if they're the right fit for your organization and vice versa, and to woo them. And you have that nice little, tiny you know, a uh, window where they can only talk to you, exclusivity. And then uh, lastly, and this is the most important one, is there some reason why we shouldn't be trying to win in 2024? Uh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I will take Juan Soto for a year and see what happens after that. Um, I'll take Pete Alonso for a year and see what happens after that. I'll take Tyler Glass now, Shane Bieber, all these guys. You don't just not get them because they're going to be free agents. And I, actually really want to hammer this point home because it, it happens in so many different ways, but like everything we learned from like 2010, 12 to now um, in terms of baseball smarts and you know, Moneyball and Theo Epstein, and it's all true and right. And, and it's great. But so many of these lessons have been overlearned in that people are suddenly willing to not want to acquire Juan Soto because the value isn't right because he'll be a free agent. So, well, no, because he's going to play somewhere next year and he can help the Cubs win next year. It doesn't all have to be about this long-term uh, 
asset oriented thinking. You can just get the good players when they're available and play them on your team. And on top of all of that, a team like the Cubs, whose farm system is as strong as any other teams in baseball right now, they are consensus top five to many, the top farm system in baseball. This is exactly when you should be using those superfluous uh, prospects as trade chips to get good players for the big league team. Some of those prospects won't work out. Some of them will be blocked by other players. Um, and some of them, you know, you might end up saying, I wish I didn't trade that guy. But if you're trading that guy for Juan Soto, who just a few a few years ago was, you know, the Ted Williams of the modern day, right? Um, it's okay. It's okay to have good players and, and to use your prospect capital. The idea, the hope, um, and the fear that I think a lot of fans get animated by is, you know, the last time the Cubs started making some trades, um, they didn't continue to churn out prospects at, at the same rate. And, and that depleted the system and ended the run a little bit early. Okay, maybe, sure, true. But one, it doesn't have to play out that way again. I think the Cubs are, uh, I think Chad Hoyer specifically is much more cautious and guarded about what he's giving up and getting back. And I think that Theo, whom I loved, um, was a little bit more of a gunslinger and like, let's go get the guy and whatever and let's win. But again, even just zoom back into a couple of those specific deals. Um, Glaber Torres for Roldis Chapman, is the value right there? No, of course it's not. That trade would never happen in a million years nowadays. Um, but the Cubs won the World Series, so it's kind of okay, right? Um, Eloy and, and Cease for Quintana, yeah, that was incorrect. But again, that had the right concept in mind. It just didn't work out with Quintana, the player. You know I mean? It's not about not trading prospects. It's about making sure you make the right trades. That's self-evaluation uh, and, and you know correctly identifying which guys are all right to move on from and also correctly identifying the players that you're going after. But um, long story short, the Cubs have a ton of prospect depth. The types of prospects that are traded nowadays are not like the types of prospects that were traded the last time the Cubs are doing this. And there's good players to be had in a year when the Cubs should be trying to be good. And they have guys at the upper levels of the minors that are ready to contribute. And there's absolutely no reason in my mind that you can just sit out the possibility of acquiring a 25-year-old Juan Soto um, because you know he'll be a free agent in a year. Okay, well, there's a whole year in between that. And and to hammer home your point a little bit, you know, it's it, Cody Bellinger truly enjoyed sounded like he enjoyed playing in Chicago. And, 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 you know, when he makes a decision, whatever he makes, and I don't know if the Cubs are in on him or not, but you know, he's going, you know, having that year of just how enjoyable the Cubs, you know, playing the day games for a lot of these guys that have families or, you know, just the crowds that you get every single day and, and the national fan base that they have. There's a lot that's attractive about the Cubs, and and I think you saw that with Craig Council coming over now, and mm -hmm. a lot of the things that are happening. People are saying like, "Hey, things are happening there," and if you can bring, you know, Juan Soto or Cody Bellinger or Pete Alonso and be like, "Hey, this is what we have to offer," the Cubs have a you know, and they have money too. Yeah, and the, and let me add, I, I want to think I sort of said this, but I want to drive it home even more. Let's say the Cubs love Juan Soto and they want to sign him next offseason when he's a free agent, which let's say he's definitely going to be a free agent. Let's say he came out and said, no matter what, under any circumstances, I'm not signing an extension. Um, okay, cool. Wouldn't you rather, before you spent $450 million potentially on a 26, soon to be 26-year-old in a year from now, Juan Soto, have a year to watch him closely, fully and intimately know his medicals, how he works, what kind of person he is, what kind of player he is before you make a half a billion dollar investment in him. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that have some value? Not just in ensuring that he's the guy you want, but how about ensuring he's not, he's a guy that you don't want, right? So let's say you go, oh my God, this guy is, you know, he, he doesn't take care of himself or he doesn't, whatever, whatever it is, what a useful piece of information to gain to protect yourself against the wrong $500 million investment a year from now. So that has value too. And I think fans kind of just overlook that, like just wait and get him next year. Might not be there, but even if he is, you might not know everything that you want to know before signing him. Um, you know, a, a recent example of that is like, look at the reverse version of that with Carlos Correa and the Astros. They knew stuff that everyone else didn't know. 
And that's why their offers to him were anywhere close to what everybody else was offering him. And then the medicals fell apart and people learned things. And, and suddenly it's a very different story, right? Knowing those guys, having them in your system, working with your trainers, your coaches, your players, how he fits in, all of that stuff matters a lot. And I think that's useful information to gain. Now, if you were to get a Juan Soto, would you just kind of, would you anticipate him kind of rotating with Seiya and Ian and the DH position, or what would you see Juan Soto's role with the Cubs being? I, that's a great question. I think there's sort of two ways to look at this, and it's almost they almost go against each other, but I think they're both true at the same time. I think the only way the Cubs would ever use the designated hitter role uh, in any sort of like isolated to one player instance would be for a, a bat the caliber of Shohei Otani. Juan Soto, maybe like three other guys that exist in baseball. That's the only time you're like, it's actually worth it to go after, acquire, use players' money to get the sort of player. So I do think that Juan Soto is the type of player that could DH only and still provide a ton of value. But I also think that mixing in uh, with Hap and Seiya would be a beautiful way to use all three bats. Um, You have a lefty, a righty, and a switch hitter. And maximizing, optimizing the lineups um, for on a day-to-day basis, but also maximizing rest because I think that's something, you know, as much as we, as much as it's endearing, I think the Cubs were a little overplayed this year. I don't think there was really enough rest, especially for Dansby and Nico. And Hap played a ton. I, th- I don't remember offhand, but I think he played the most games he's ever played. Um, and, you know, Seah's had injuries in the past. I mean, these are things and guys that you can rest, but you only really are comfortable doing that if you have the right other players to, to maximize that rest and, and still win games in the meantime without giving stuff up. So if you get someone like Juan Soto, um, you you could uh, use them in a rotation. Now, I think that the way it would work out practically is most of the time, Soto's your DH. Um, but he could play right, he could play left, and Hap and Seah can also DH. And they can also take days off. And I think that that's a perfectly wonderful way to go about it. And I especially like the idea of adding a really big bat in that position. Um, Like, again, like Shohei or or Soto, um, because it might allow you to more comfortably use Pete Crow Armstrong in center field, perhaps even earlier than you would otherwise, um, because you can carry his potentially weaker bat early on if you're making up for the offense elsewhere. Um, and you still get to take advantage of his glove then. So I, I think it's pretty critical that the Cubs get a like true impact bat, of which there are not many available, unfortunately, at least in the free agent market. Um, but I do think they're going to try to. Uh, and uh, DH, first base, are kind of the only options because I, I do think, at least I, I do think I hope, I think I, I think I hope more than I think, that Christopher Morrell could emerge as a, the third baseman. And I think he can be an impact bat as soon as next season. I think he's already as close to as a lock of a above average offensive producer um, as the Cubs have. I think he will. I think he's, I think we just need to like get that out of the way and settle that. He is going to be an above average offensive producer, but I do think he's capable of being special too. So you're looking at first base and DH as the primary opportunities to add that bat. And if you add a DH, you have the added benefit of, you know, swinging it around to happen Suzuki, like you said. And the, and the one that also gets Cub fans interested is Pete Alonzo. You know, that, that, that every, you know, ever since getting rid of Rizzo, you know, that first base position has just been an absolute bugaboo for the Cubs. And you're just sitting there just saying like, you just want an anchor there, you know, somebody to, to, to take over that position. And when I think about Pete Alonso and just the damage he does against the Cubs and, and the potential damage he can do playing 81 games at Wrigley field, it is definitely something that gets Cub fans excited. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's weird. The, the Otani stuff has just sucked up all the oxygen in the room because this offseason started pretty hot and heavy with Alonso and Soto rumors for the Cubs trade rumors. And then both sort of died down considerably um, as all of the attention has been focused on Otani and Glass now this last week or so. Um, but I think Pete Alonso would be an excellent addition. He's still young. He hits for power. And he, again, he plays a position of need for the Cubs. Um, I don't think, you know, the Mets have been pretty confounding because they initially, 
seemed to suggest that they were going to take sort of a gap year, um, trading their big aces halfway through the year, three months into their new deals. And, and then sort of the tone changed a little bit, and suddenly they're being attached to guys like Yamamoto especially. Um, but then at the same time, you look at them and you say every dollar extra they're spending right now is like $2 because of the way the, the, where their payroll is at and the luxury tax. They're at the very, 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 very top uh, tier. And it, I find it hard to believe that they're going to lay out any extra cash for Pete Alonso this offseason um, when it costs that much more in relative dollars than they could by trading him to another team. So we'll see. Um, I, I get less of a sense that he's available than he than it seemed like earlier in the offseason, but that may ultimately just depend on what happens elsewhere with the Mets. If they're able to land someone like Yamamoto, then Pete Alonso is not going anywhere. He's going to play first base for the next year because they're going to want to win. Um, if not, maybe they do take that little bit of a gap year and, and reset, shed some payroll, and then you know go hog wild next offseason. Again, also, do you want to go up against the Mets for Juan Soto next year? Like, do you really think you're going to outspend Steve Cohen? I, like, I don't think so. So, you know, no. that kind of thing is one of those things. You, you've got to take the opportunity when it exists and you, it just doesn't come up that often. Now, Cub fans would love nothing more than a reunion with Cody Bellinger. And, 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 you know, when, when, when you, there has been people, people that have been like not happy with as far as some of the metrics with, with Cody Bellinger, but you know, when he was here, he just seemed to do a lot of good things. So the question is, can he repeat or was this just kind of a fluke here? Would you see the Cubs interested in re-signing Cody Bellinger? So from what I understand, and this is part informed partly by the reports that are out there and partly by some things I've heard just loosely, I, I don't I'm pretty confident that he is not like their top priority. Like I that is like I'm I'm using the words of a quote that has already existed. I think that that's true. Um, I think that the only way Bellinger ends up back in Chicago is if the Cubs, if two things happen, the Cubs have a big off season. Um, they get someone like Otani or Yamamoto or whatever, whatever you want to say it is something where they're looking good. And at the same time, Cody Bellinger lingers on the market. And the way that that'll happen is if like, for example, the Yankees, his other biggest potential suitor land Juan Soto let's say, and then they don't necessarily have the appetite to give Bellinger what he wants. And I just think right now that Bellinger's asking price is significant and probably more than he's going to be worth. Um, I think he can be a really good player still. I just don't think he's going to be as good as he was last year necessarily. Um, and I do think that he's either going to be pushed out of center field by Pete Crow Armstrong or eventually just age out of the position, reducing the value further and requiring his bat to be better, which we already don't think it necessarily is going to be. So if you're a team that has a more obvious opening in center field, I think you're going to be more comfortable signing Cody Bellinger than the Cubs would be. Um, and on top of all of this looming in the background is uh, the San Francisco Giants who cannot seem to get anybody to sign with them and they want Cody Bellinger badly. So there's, you know, the, the Yankees and Giants both want Bellinger. The Yankees are also interested in Soto. It, it seems likely that what could happen is Soto goes to New York, Bellinger goes to San Francisco. Um, and, and that's kind of how I see it playing out. But uh, I certainly hope he comes back, and I hope it's on a deal that makes sense. And, and I don't think he needs to settle for – an under market deal. If he got something in the Brandon Nemo range, like, okay, we're talking, but I think he's still North of 200 million in his asking price. It's not me reporting that there's what my general understanding is. And um, that's too much. I mean, I just, I don't think that that's the right contract for Cody Bellinger for the Cubs right now. All right. So no full belly for Bellinger, Michael, I appreciate <laughs> you jumping on here and taking a couple minutes to talk finances and, and look at some of these players the Cubs might be interested in. Uh, where can our listeners find your work? Obviously at Bleacher Nation, any of your socials, anything you want to plug right now, here's the time. Yeah. Uh, BleacherNation.com. And then, um, you know, my Twitter is at Michael underscore Cerami. So, uh, you know, please follow and let's talk about the Cubs on Twitter. Love and the next it. time I will be seeing you, my friend, will be at a Cubs convention where hopefully we, I don't know, maybe we, we're drinking beer, maybe we're drinking champagne. Let's see what happens, but it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a happening. I'll tell you that much. Oh yeah. I think it's going to be a good one this year. I think the Cubs are going to have some new shiny faces to announce. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. 
All right, man. Then we will see you then, Michael, and appreciate you jumping on with us. Thanks a lot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Fly the W670 podcast, trade options at DH and third base. It's episode 92 of season two. We don't want you to forget. We want to remind you, keep in mind to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. All right, Crowley, great job with uh, Michael from Bleacher Nation. Now let's get into some hot stove news because it's getting warm. Oh, it's cooking, Dustin. It's cooking. And that's that's this is the time of year when things kind of start to get interesting. Since our last podcast, two teams have made a couple of free agent moves. The Reds fortified their bullpen by adding relief pitchers Nick Martinez for two years, $26 million, while Emilio Pagan is going to get two years, $16 million. Meanwhile, the Mets signed former Yankee starter Luis Severino to a one-year $13 million contract and third baseman Joey Wendell to a one-year $2 million contract. Again, Dustin, the only big splash so far in free agency has been the Phillies re-signing Aaron Nola, but that should change next week with baseball's winter meetings coming up December 4th through 7th in Nashville, Tennessee. Our own Bruce Levine is going to be there. Yes. And the GM meetings happened in November, and that's where a framework for a lot of these deals kind of start in the GM meetings. So they kind of get some ideas. They kind of feel each other out, talk things with the agents and stuff like that. But the winter meetings are usually where these deals go down. Now, 670 The Score contributor and Odyssey insider John Heyman said that Shohei Otani's free agency could end at the meeting next week. So you want to make sure that you are, you know, if, if anything happens, we'll break with an emergency podcast. You could also follow us at Fly the W670 and at Crawley's Cubs for all the breaking news. But this, this is going to be an interesting week right before and during these winter meetings. Yeah, I can't wait for them to get started. Good time for, I know you don't care, but a good time for me with the uh, Bears on the bye. <laughs> hey, I, I watched Monday Night Football, man. I I, I was I was watching dun, dun, some dun, of that. Dun, yeah, yeah, we watch Thursday night football. Are you? Are you? I'm sure you're an Amazon Prime guy because if you have any Cubs stuff you buy off of Prime, you're going to want it instantly. Uh, are you? Are you going to tune into Thursday night football? Or hey, no, tell everybody no. what you were watching last night on uh, Marquee. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I was. You know, Marquee always has sometimes these famous games, and so they were playing Sammy Sosa's uh, when he got a 61st and 62nd home run in 1998. So for me, most of the time, no, I'm not watching football. I'm watching marquee. I like literally live on marquee. So it was, it was fun to kind of see that happen. And uh, just the memories of Sammy Sosa hitting that, those home runs two in one game, one of them in the ninth inning. And just Especially the after you got your, uh, your stuff back that you got signed by him. Yeah, it was, it, it was fun timing. So no, no, no more football for me this weekend. So it, it'll, it'll be all baseball. Um, but Speaking of baseball, the Brewers made a shocking signing today, Dustin. No, not for one of the top free agents, but by signing their number one prospect and the number two prospect in all of baseball, 19-year-old Jackson Churio, to an eight-year, $80 million deal that includes two Cubs options. Dustin, that is the biggest contract ever given to a player who has never played a game in the big leagues. It's it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds and if other especially smaller market teams do the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the White Sox kind of did some of this stuff too. Not these kind of dollars, obviously, but signed guys, you know, I mean, but boy, if you're signing him to that much, he's better be up pretty soon. Right. I mean, 19 years old, it's, 80 million. That's, that's I know that's, it's eight. I know it's eight years, but still, I mean, you know, I'd like to make it, I'd like to make some of that. Gosh, yeah, it's crazy I, I, to me. You, you, have you heard about? I mean, what does this guy do? What, what's you? You follow this stuff very closely. I mean, is it, what's the comp? Is anything? You know anything or not really? When you talk about Jackson Churio, he's just you know he. Everybody says he's the real deal. He comes from Venezuela. Yeah, he's got to ask Ozzy again about him next time he's on. Yeah, I talked talk to Ozzy, but I, I mean, it it is it is nuts when you kind of think about it right there of, of what this kid can do and and. You know, I, I, I would, I would say that 
I've seen a lot of prospects in my time and there's been guys that are sure things and you're, you're absolutely positive aren't going to miss. You just don't know what's going to happen with an 18 and 19 year old. There's right. tons of things that can happen. And when you give them that amount of money, it, it's, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, you mentioned that the Cubs did it with Eloy and they did it with Luis Robert. Um, it, it happens. It's just, it, it, it's a huge, huge gamble. Now, again, if it pays off, if it works out, it's not the end of the world either. If it, if it pays off, if he's everything they think he's going to be, then they're going to be getting a bargain. And if he doesn't, it's not the worst move in the world either, right? Right. Um, that, that's just kind of the way you look at it. He, you know, he's a five-tool player. He's fast. He can play defense. He can, you know, he hits for home run. You know, he's just, he's a, he's a really, really, like I said, you're the second best prospect in all of baseball. It's just something to keep in mind. Um, I just, it's just kind of mind blowing because there's just no precedent to it. You know what I mean? That much that early. Yeah. It's a lot of do re mi. A lot of do re mi. Yeah. He's an outfielder. So hope it messes up the Brewers. That's all I can say. <laughs> you know, good, good for the kid. Good for the kid. I don't want anything, uh, uh, bad to happen to the kid, but uh, I'm all for um, the Brewers uh, going sideways. Right. And speaking of Brewers, former Brewer manager and current Cub manager, Craig Council now has his bench coach mm-hmm. when they hired Ryan Flaherty to fill the position vacated by Andy Green. You may remember that the Cubs drafted Flaherty in 2008 and he, he had an okay career utility player, but uh, when he was done, he got right into the coaching pipeline. He was the bench coach for Bob Melvin in San Diego. Dustin, how about this? Flaherty was uh, teammates at Vanderbilt University with current Cub GM Carter Hawkins. Very interesting. Very interesting. So obviously uh, um, Carter obviously had something to say about this uh, position, but you'd think Craig Council had the uh, final vote, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and here's the thing is that I can tell you right now that Flaherty was very in demand for a lot of teams. Um, he's just an, a young up and comer. Um, you know, when you think about some of those guys that everybody's excited at, you know, I, I would say this is going to be a really good one two punch with uh council and Flaherty. I can't wait to see what those guys do. I'm just, I'm feeling better every single day about, you know, having Craig council, you know, coaching and having, you know, managing and having Ryan Flaherty as his bench coach. I just, I'm excited about things to come. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's an exciting move. I'm very curious as well. Now, uh, Cody Bellinger, we talked about this before. He won the NL Comeback Player of the Year last month, but that was given out by the MLB Players Association. So when you do the MLB Players Association, they vote for all these different awards, and that's voted on by all active MLB players, and they gave Cody the NL Comeback Player of the Year. This time, this was MLB's Player of the Year award, which is um, determined from a vote by the uh, MLB.com's 30-team beat reporters. I'm glad you said that because I was a little bit confused what was going on. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought he got this for that bonus. And then, so yeah, very, very confusing. Right. So there, there, there's two separate ones. One of them is like the players. You know what I mean? Because and, and so then he, the other one. He, so he got the financial award off of the player vote? That's my understanding, yeah. Okay. And so it is the first time a Cubs player has won the award since they started giving it out in 2005. Liam Hendricks got it for the White Sox. I mean, I mean, I I know that was a nice story, but, you know, um, coming back from cancer, obviously big deal. But, you know, it wasn't like his numbers pitching were the reason he got the award. You know what I mean? Right. But when he did come in, the small amount of time that he did come back, I thought he did a halfway decent job. So again, it's a good story. Listen, for an award like this, it's all about the story, right? It's, it, that's, that's, that's a part of it. Sure. But, uh, you know, both on Chicago and both probably not coming back to either of their teams, but who knows, maybe Cody, we'll see. Um, you know, I don't know if you heard this, but, uh, you, you know, the, the, you, Yankees were like, we were talking about Juan Soto earlier. The Yankees were looking at Juan Soto and they want obviously a King's ransom and the Yankees were a little, again, nobody wants to clean out their farm system. Right. And then the other issue though, is that they were looking at Cody Bellinger and, and he's asking for way more than what the Yankees feel comfortable with. So I haven't heard numbers yet, but, but I think they were a little bit taken aback by what Cody Bellinger will cost them. Right. So, you know, you knew it's well, because Blair. it's, Ota- because it's Otani. It's Soto and then it's Bellinger, right? I mean, That's it. And, and he's thinking, you know, it's a small, it's a small group of guys out there that are available on the free agency side of things also. Right. So right. you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to give Cody Bellinger former employer anything in return. 
Right. Now, one other story we got going on. The Contemporary Baseball Era Committee will meet on Sunday, December 3rd, to announce if any of the eight candidates for the Contemporary Baseball Era Manager's Executive Umpire ballot reached the 75% threshold. That's 12 out of 16 votes. The results of the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee vote will be live, announced live on MLB Network's MLB Tonight at 6.30 Central Time on Sunday, December 3rd. There's a little Cubs connection here. Some of the guys on this era here, some man, you have three managers, two executives, and two umpires. Cito Gaston's on there. Uh, Davey Johnson, you remember Jim Leland? Yep, of course. I'm sure. Um, Ed Montague, probably the got a heater. He's probably got a heater going right now. <laughs> Ed Montague, umpire, and everybody knows Country Joe West, another umpire. But the name that should uh, interest Cub fans, how about Sweet Lou Pinella possibly getting into the Hall of Fame? Sure. I, you know, I mean, is it a, is it, I wonder if it becomes a combined award, right? It, now, is this something, is this, is this specific? Is this for a contributor? I mean, if you take his, his role as a player and you combine that with his role as a manager, I think what he has given the game as a contributor overall, I think that's uh, Hall of Fame worthy. Sure. Yeah, this is basically for his managing career. But again, sometimes it's hard to separate when you think about those things. But All right, because he wouldn't get in as a player. No. But he was de so, he was decent. He was decent, but he wasn't Hall of Fame. Right. This would be right. for his managing. So it would be interesting to see what happens with um, our good buddy, uh, Lou Pinella. Speaking of good buddies, Dustin, I don't know if you saw these broadcasting awards, the yeah. NMSA 2023 award finalist for Illinois Sports Pro um Sportcasters, we just want to you know highlight a couple of those these guys that have all appeared on the Fly the W podcast. Congrats to Ron Coomer from Six Seventy The Score, Cubs radio analyst. He was nominated. How about uh, how about Josh Friedman? He's been on from WGN. He's been on the podcast, and then Megan Montemurro and Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune. So, um, congrats to all those guys. They they do great work, and we loved having them on the podcast so far. Indeed, love all those guys. Absolutely. Now, if you've been listening, Dustin, like I do, to Inside the Cub House every Saturday at on 670, the score, 9 to 12. 9 to 11, 9 to 11. noon. Yeah, whatever happens. Sometimes it's shorter, sometimes it's longer, but it always starts at 9. Yes, sir. About a month ago, Bruce Levine had Andre Dawson on, and I was listening to it, and I tweeted it out back then. It, it, Dawson was talking that he was trying to um, work with the Hall of Fame. He wants to switch his cap from an Expos cap to a Cubs cap. Now, you know, if you know Andre Dawson, obviously a Hall of Famer, just, just a fantastic player. But in all honesty, Dustin, his best years were with the Montreal Expos. And so this, you know, after Andre Dawson was put in with an Expos cap, then they let players start to choose which cap they were going into. And so I think Wade Boggs was the controversial one. I think the Rays paid him to go in for with a Rays cap. And so, you know, it, he played the majority, you know, his, his prime years, 21 to 29 till, you know, or I'm sorry, till 30, play, 31. So 21 to 31. So he played 10 years in Montreal. He played one, two, three, four, five, six seasons with the Cubs. Obviously he had the uh, MVP in, in uh, 1987, but, you know, that was by far his best year. But, you know, solid in Chicago too. But what, do, what are your thoughts on this, Dustin, on, on this situation here? He's always going to be a cub to me. Whatever Andre Dawson wants, Andre Dawson should get. I mean, one of the all-around just good guys, and what a fabulous baseball player. I mean, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Cubs of all time. Uh, I've told the story about you know the time I got to meet him was in the media, you know, sweating uh, profusely as I uh, as I talked to him in the uh, actually Miami Marlins uh, clubhouse, the last game he ever played against the Cubs. I ran over there as a young reporter after I had done my business in the Cubs clubhouse, ran across uh, the home plate of Wrigley Field and ran into the dugout and got down into the uh, area and uh, interviewed uh, Andre Dawson. So um, big fan, whatever he wants is fine, but regardless of what his plaque shows to me, he's always a Cub. That's fine. It doesn't, I mean, I, I mean, is there, is it a financial thing? You know, I, I, whatever. 
It's funny though. He, you know, he kind of said something to the effect of, "Look, I'm 70. What do I care what anybody says about me anymore?" <laughs> you know, right, right? And and so I think I think it really he truly believes that his career was revitalized in Chicago. He loved the fans. He loved playing at Wrigley. He loved going out to the bleachers and the fans would give him the old salami down yep. in right field. So I think it it really means a lot to him. And if you remember Greg Maddox, he went in, he doesn't have a, a name on his cap. He said both teams, both organizations, the Cubs and the Braves just meant so much to him in different ways. And and he chose to go in with no cap right. uh, with, with no team on his cap. So just kind of interesting to see where this flies, but you know, Andre Dawson, like you said, in, in, in our minds, always a cub, always a cub. Well, that's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the fly, the W podcast. Follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram. Of course you can email Crowley and I fly the W six seventy at gmail.com. And you can watch us YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, have a uh, great weekend. I will be watching some football over the weekend, but uh, if something does happen, we will have an emergency podcast before Monday. This next week and a half is going to be exciting, so don't go anywhere. Follow the Fly the W on the socials, and and yes, let's just get ready. Maybe next time we talk, we'll see some Otani. Go Cubs! It's all over. 